going on? 14. Welcome to 40 going on 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And this week we're talking about unsolved mysteries. Like, why anyone thought Dennis Farina could replace Robert Stack? That is a question that will never truly be answered. He gave it a good try. Go get your shine box. (laughs) (laughs) What? Good fellas, you never seen it? Yeah, I've seen it once. Once. How many times have you seen Sharknado? Which one? See, see right there. Goodfellas once and Sharknado several times. You had to clarify it. That's the worst part right there. I mean, I've seen the first one at least six times. Jesus Christ. And Goodfellas once. Once. I haven't seen it at all. Goodfellas? Goodfellas, yep. Or Sharknado? Either. Who are you people? Yeah, one, right? one because I, I, one I haven't seen it because I haven't had the time, and I keep watching sh- stuff for the for this show. And the other one I haven't seen because I know it's a piece of shit, and I got other things to do. You're talking about Sharknado, right? Because Goodfellas is not a piece of shit. No, not a lot of sharks in it, though. Is that your base? Okay, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Why are we <laughs> How many road? sharks are in it? How many sharks are in unsolved mysteries? That's what we're doing this week. If you like sharks, you'll probably like the shows on the Podcast Collective, such as I Am Salt Lake. That probably has sharks in it. Um, (laughs) Dog and Deuce Show. Dog Show. Baby Shark Podcast. (laughs) And somehow the Red Dead Radio. Put a shark in it. So if you're looking for more of our uh, older stuff, iTunes, Blu-ray, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse, FM, Noon FM, we are all over the place on the interwebs. And if you want, you can give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. Josh. Someone did that. Yes. Somebody did that. Someone called us. Yay. Yes, somebody called us and left their thoughts. So we will hear those thoughts. Now or soon, ominous or now or, or later, later, maybe. <laughs> Hi, long time listener, first time caller. Why is he calling from the 1930s? Are you doing a show on shocks? I like shocks. Got, got a carnival barker from 1932. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Daniel. Uh, I've only ever called, left a message once before, but I love your show. Uh, I've been listening since day one. Uh, I don't really have any in, insightful, fun stuff to say, so I'm just going to say I love your show. And uh, hopefully some more fuckfaces out there will actually give you some good comments for your show. <laughs> anyway, love you guys. Keep up the good work. I love all your material. We'll see. Aw. That was Daniel, nice. Yeah. That guy's the best. Daniel, you rock, man. You, you've literally made my week. Yay. I needed that. Hey, if he like, stuck around after Peter Pan. Yeah. Right? All those other fuck faces need to call in. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just, it's since day one, he's been angry that we haven't gotten more voicemails. He's like, well, I don't have anything to say, but. 
Somebody else should. <laughs> Fuck thanks those to, guys. Yeah, thanks to Pat now. <laughs> like, how many listeners do you have? One. His name's Daniel. <laughs> but we love Daniel, so it's all good. Hey, we do. Thank you, Daniel. Shout out to Daniel. Yeah. You know what would be interesting? Yeah, call back and let us know what your favorite show is. I'm really curious. For someone who has started listening to us before we even had a theme song, before we had, like, uh idea, like, even a script, we didn't even use show notes on the first show. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> the first show started off with, well, which one do we want to talk about first? Yeah. <laughs> you stuck around weird. for that long, man. Yeah. I give you more credit, because there's some of the old shows that I try to listen to, and I'm like, yeesh. But it's lucky we stuck around this long. With all those assassins and <laughs> sharks. What? Shark assassins. Uh... Shark assassins that are trying to kill us all the time. Dude, I'd watch that. Ninja Shark. <laughs> I mean, there's like, Ghost Shark. There's a Sharks Assist. There's a, sh- a Sharkson. A shark. That's a terrible a name. Sharkson. No, yeah, that's, that is a terrible name. Uh, shark Assassin. Finsassin? Yeah, that's better. Shark Sasson works. Shark Sasson. <laughs> Shark Sasson. Shark Sasson. <laughs> there used to be not an anime, but um, Japanese, a manga, about suddenly all the fish in the world can breathe air and they grow legs. So I don't even know what the guy was thinking, but the most terrifying thing is like people standing on the street and suddenly a great white shark just starts walking up the street and devouring everybody and that's an animal i'm very glad does not have legs Mm -hmm. fish legs on that note i think it's about that time (laughs) (laughs) deep fried fish legs this week in music movies and tv All right, so this week we are going with January 20th, 1987, which was the premiere date, the original Unsolved Mysteries. So, music. The number one song in the land was At This Moment by Billy Vera and the Beaters, which was the first number one song for Rhino Records, which was known primarily as a compilation retrospective production company. That's oh, true. Yeah. And Billy Vera... Joel, Joel may be the only one that can follow through on this one. Um, the movie Buckaroo Banzai. Yes, Peter Weller. Mm-hmm. The, remember there was a one guy from Buckaroo's team that got hit with the electroid thing and died? Was that Billy Vera? That was Billy Vera. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally the guy who sang that song. So I, I love that song. It's a good song. And we used to sell the shit out of Rhino, out of Rhino Records at Val's. Good label. Hmm. All right. So on January 21st, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame had a legendary induction ceremony, including Muddy Waters, B.B. King, The Coasters, Eddie Cochran, Bo Diddley, Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, Bill Haley, Ricky Nelson, Roy Orbison, Carl Perkins, Smokey Robinson, and Jackie Wilson. Holy shit. It's a hell of a class. No shit. That's insane. It had to be one of the first years. Well, when, when did it start? I don't know. Probably sometime before 1987. First class. Let's see. In 1986, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced its first group of inductees. There you go. Yeah. Which included 
Buddy Holly, Chuck Berry, Elvis Presley, Fats Domino, James Brown, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, and the Everly Brothers. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense then. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. A lot of great names there, though. <laughs> it's one of those, we we got to add more people for the first year. But if we do, we are going to be here all week. <laughs> <laughs> now they're like, who do we want to put in this year? Yeah, I don't even know who the last inductees have been. Rat? Really? I don't know. They're Like the most recent ones? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just. Yeah, that seems unlikely. Yeah, no, I'm sure they're not going to run out of people. So, finally. Oh. oh. Not finally. I was going to say, it's always kind of weird to me that it's in Cleveland, of all places. Cleveland, Cleveland rocks. rocks? No, it doesn't. I've been to Cleveland. You call him Drew Carey a liar? Yes. Oh, okay. Class of 2020. Irving Azoff. Depeche Mode. The Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, John Landau. Hmm. People inducted for 2020. Maybe they should have held on to some of those names. See? Cleveland's not known for good decisions. They had a river that caught on fire. (laughs) I'm not joking about that. No, that's a thing. Well, Chicago had a river that sprung a leak. Chicago had a river that used to be going the opposite direction. California had sharks. Shark assassins. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, I would watch that in a heartbeat. We are uh, never getting through this section. Nope. <laughs> Next up, jazz singer Dolores Hawkins is remembered for her vocals that accompanied band leaders Gene Krupa and Red Saunders, and also for her part in some Hollywood soundtracks, including the acronym of the week, TAOHF. I'm pretty sure that stands for Taste All of Hawkins Farts. <laughs> i've heard of scatting but Jesus. oh god oh my god <laughs> i'm not sure if i'm proud of that one or is james a <laughs> little bit of column a you know what i think we're just gonna say that's right oh no that is not right that is not right at all and you, <laughs> nothing in, right in, about that yeah in, in any way at all that is not right that is that was the adventures of huckleberry finn Wow, but you were you were close. We've been doing this how long? He's never gotten it. Ne- never. Story. Someday. Well, to punctuate that sentence, she died on January fifteenth. Oh. From too many farts. <laughs> and finally, the return of Bruno by Bruce Willis was released January twentieth, and everyone sighed. Not everyone. Three people side. No, I'm not a fan. I'm just, like other Mike is a big fan of the Bruno hmm. albums. I have it on cassette. In the so basement. was this the second of his pop albums? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It would have been weird for it to be the return and be the first one, but you never know. Yeah, I mean Leonard didn't have five first parts, so didn't. No. I mean, it wasn't great. But at the same time, it's better than some actors yeah. who have decided. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's better than a lot of Vanity Projects, that's for sure. Like, uh, yeah. Like Paris Hilton's album. Paris Hilton? Yeah. That's hot. She, she put out an album. Well, I hate to Hawkins all over this, but 
The Return of Bruno is the debut album by actor Bruce Willis released uh, by Motown oh. in 1987. It was the first one. Okay. So it is weird. Well, so if you had to listen to Respect Yourself for an entire week or Party All the Time. Party All the Time. Party All the Time. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm actually a big fan of that uh, Eddie Murphy record. And I, I think agree. that's a good song. He did three albums. Uh, that one in 89, he did If It Don't Kill You, It Just Makes You Stronger. And in 2001, he did classic Bruce Willis, the Universal Masters Collection. You have two albums and you get a best of? What? Well, it, the best of only has two songs on it. I mean, it's still. <laughs> <laughs> it's an EP. All right. Moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Critical Condition, starring Richard Pryor, which was knocked off by Platoon. Uh, that's a strange juxtaposition. Yeah. yeah. Strange swapping of hands right there. Richard Pryor, dude. This is well past peak Richard Pryor. It still wasn't bad, though. I, I would say, honestly, my, my peak Richard Pryor movies would be anything with him and Gene Wilder. Gene- Gene Gene Wilder, yeah. Hell yeah. Stir Crazy, See No no Evil, See No Evil. That was amazing. The two of them were hilarious, especially the the subway scene. I love that movie. Although arguably one of his best films was from super late in his career. Like Harlem Nights was really fucking good. I've never seen it. Really? You should. Yeah, I agree. I saw that one in the theater. If anybody's interested on Hulu, there's a docuseries on uh, the last days of Richard Breyer that uh, just dropped. Just a heads up. That is interesting. All right. Uh, Raymond Wallace Bolger was an American actor, vaudevillian, singer, dancer, and stage performer who starred in the silent film era. He was a major Broadway performer in the 1930s and beyond, but he is best known for his role as the Scarecrow in MGM's classic The Wizard of Oz. He was also the host of his eponymous television show, The Ray Bolger Show. His final acting job was on different strokes. He died of bladder cancer on July 15th, five days after his 83rd birthday. Absorbed. Oh, real quick. Patrick, is that still your favorite top 10? Yeah. Where's that for No, that's, that's still my favorite movie. Still your favorite. Okay. I wasn't sure if anything knocked it off, but I've, I, whenever I think Wizard of Oz, I always think of you. There are, there are movies that I think are better, but it's my favorite movie. Well, and there's movies that I think are better than the ones that are in my top ten. There's there's a different grading scale, you know. Yep. For I for just sure. I just love I love The Wizard of Oz, and I have collectibles from The Wizard of Oz, and different, you know. Yeah, that's my favorite movie. Sorry to derail. No, you're good. Movies released this week included Critical Condition, Wanted, Dead or Alive, The Fringe Dwellers, Les Lieux de Crime, and The Stepfather. Ugh. I don't know why, but I love the Stepfather movies. Hmm. I don't know if you, you guys have, have ever you seen have them. horrible taste in movies. You really do. Yeah. What's wrong with the Stepfather movies? What's right with them? I mean, it's not Brazzers' Stepfather, but, you know. I'd rather watch those. You've got Terry O'Quinn in the lead, at least for the first, I think, two. And then he... Steps off for the third one, and then they remade it, which is was not very good. But they're just good '80s kind of slasher, stalker, murdery movies. No, they're not. And you've seen Goodfellas once, yeah. That's one of those movies where you know it, maybe it's good, 
but it's not something I want to sit down and rewatch over and over again. Mm. Okay. I, I, I could accept that. I could accept that. Cause it's not even my favorite like mob movie, but it's you know, for me, I don't know. It's just been on TV so many times. It, it still bothers me that he can recite the differences between the stepfather movies and has only seen it once. I mean, there's several movies that I've seen and I'm like, holy shit, that was amazing. But I don't know if I ever need to see it again. Between Stepfather and Wanted Dead or Alive, I'm looking for Wanted or Dead or Alive, and I'm more interested in that. Rocker Hauer, Gene Simmons, Robert Guillaume. Guillaume? Guillaume. 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 He oh. plays Mick Randall, the descendant of Josh Randall, who played by Steve McQueen in the television series of the same title. And, you know, uh, Gene Simmons plays a pretty good bad guy. Yeah, he does. I've seen this poster, but I've not actually seen this movie. Oh, yeah. my, my brain thought you said Richard Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you. I oh, would watch that. A hundred percent. Get on this shit. jet ski. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure with Gene Simmons, we're like, all right, so you're the bad guy. Here's the scenery. Chew it up. Yeah, pretty much. So you've got Gene Simmons. Richard Simmons. <laughs> and who else? You need J. one K. other Simmons. <laughs> J.K. Simmons. In a road road movie, they have to get from New York to Colorado. And Simon Cowell. Simon Wait, is Simon Cowell like the talking dog, or is he a bad guy? Or what's Yeah, oh, dude, there you go. Simon Cowell does the voice of the deer that they hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He can grant wishes or something. And... Yeah, he's a magical deer that grants wishes. <laughs> and they hit him on the way from New York to Colorado so they can find the treasure. <laughs> okay, what's the name of the movie? Oh, uh, oh dear. Dude, dude, where's my loot? Randall, my dear. It's not the worst title I've heard. Uh, oh, handful of the, oh dear part six. You know what the worst part is? I think if we ever got really, really drunk and stoned and wrote this, we could probably sell it. Yeah, Asylum would buy it. JK, <laughs> you want me to do what? It's gotta be you, man. All right, so TV top shows in the land were Cosby Show, Different World, Cheers, and The Golden Girls. Shocker, yeah. Golden Girls. There's a, a weird subculture of the Golden Girls. Yeah. It's taken off in a very strange way lately. Yeah. I've never gotten the appeal of the Golden Girls. I've never found it funny. I liked it. Yeah, so, I mean, it was, a, it was a sitcom that was on before Star Trek, you know, so just had to watch that, and then I could watch whatever I wanted. But I mean, they were all easy on the eyes, too. That didn't hurt. Moving on. Yep. The TV shows that premiered this week included O'Hara, The Tertellis, Hard Copy, and Square One TV. No wonder I, the Golden Girls, Cosby Show, Different World, and Cheers were <laughs> number one. The only one of these that I know is The Tortellis. You didn't ever watch Hard Copy? There was like Inside Edition, any of those oh, like little, in, you know. Come on, in, in 87, why would I watch Hard Copy when Manimal was out? And O'Hara was a uh, written and pro- written, produced, and starred Pat Morita. 
Okay, I do know that one. Yeah. And then Square One Television was from... A kid's news, I think? A kid's news yeah. show? A CTW. It was like a Sesame Street spin-off show. You're thinking of Channel One, I think, Patrick. Maybe. Maybe. All right, so Joyce Jameson was an American actress who had many different television roles, but was most famous for her recurring guest appearances as Skippy, one of the fun girls in The Andy Griffith Show. You know, Skippy, she's a fun girl. She wears the short pants. I'd like to show, say that fun girls is in quotations. I have to find these episodes. She also had small roles in movies such as The Blonde in the Academy Award-winning The Apartment, Frankie and Johnny, Death Race 2000, and The Outlaw Josie Wales. Career took a little bit of a dip there. I just looked up Fun Girls, or Skippy Andy Griffith, and the first thing is The Fun Girls. There's a Wikipedia entry for it. That's crazy. I mean, I'm not kidding. They were actually pretty popular. They were the the two girls that would come in from Mount Pilot and always cause trouble for Barney and Andy, you know, with their girlfriends, because they were always into both of them, but they were always trying to get rid of them. They were these really obnoxious party-type girls. Jesus, Patrick, that's like the first three sentences in the first paragraph in the overview on the Wikipedia article. You know, find out that Patrick actually has like a fun girl's tattoo or some shit like that. <laughs> no, but I do. I mean, I've seen every episode of the Andrew Griffith show. I love that show. Okay. He's got an Andy, Andy Griffith tattoo. I'm looking at pictures of him and I, I do remember them being on there because one of them was Rosemary, whatever from. Um, no. Dick Van Dyke show. No, it was not Rosemary. Oh, it's not. No. But she did have a deep, gravelly voice like that, yeah. Oh, this picture here looks kind of like her. And I forgot, Don Knotts is... Who's that girl with Don Knotts? She's cute. It was probably his his girlfriend, Thelma Lou. Mm. She's probably dead now, but... Outlaw right. Josie Wales makes me think we need to do more westerns. I was thinking about that the other day. There's not too many westerns I love, but every time we do a western on here, I'm like, that was good. Yeah, what was the last one we did? Was it True Grit or was it... Um... I think it was 310 to Yuma, wasn't it? Hmm. Well, that sounds right. That's a while ago. Yeah, it was a hot minute. Yes. All right, so on January 22nd, history was made as the first live suicide was caught on tape. Yikes. Said that entirely too enthusiastically. <laughs> I was going to say, your intonation was a little off for that one. <laughs> Screw it, I'm sticking with it. As Pennsylvania State Treasurer R. Bud Dwyer shot and killed himself with a 357. Holy shit. Yeah. At a press conference on a live national television. He had been found of guilty on charges of bribery, fraud, conspiracy, and racketeering. Is any gonna anybody gonna reference pop culture on this one? Well, there's about a about a dozen and a half different ways that it's been referenced, mostly in music. Especially in the the song that you're probably thinking about, Hey Man, Nice Shot. By Filter, yep. And yep. if you want to see the video, it's readily available. It's 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 graphic. Yeah. I, don't. I mean if it's you wanna, not... if, if you want to see a man turn his head into a waterfall. I mean it's not as bad as some of the shit that is out there that I know Patrick has delved into. Because I've dipped my toes in there, but it, it's it's still pretty pretty rough. Confessing to. What is this what's going on? What? What? Like you've nothing. Oh, he's talking about how I, I watch snuff films all the time. No, but you pride yourself on, uh, just as I have, of, you know, finding just the weird shit online and, okay. you know, just. Josh, yeah. I'm, and I'm sure Josh can attest to this one. One of the things back in the, in the apartment days, whenever Joel was like, hey, guys, come here, take a look at this. 
Yeah, you don't look at any of those links. See for one sure. guy sticking his dick in a chicken, and all of a sudden, you know, you're banned for life. Hey, you know what I'd like to know about sports? I don't want to talk about. <laughs> on January 15th, the NBA champion Boston Celtics forward Larry Bird was named Man of the Year by the Sporting News and Athlete of the Year by the Associated Press. This was the first time one athlete gained both distinctions. Well, Larry Bird was known to be a good player, I hear. If you if if you want to, he was one of the toughest players that has ever played in the NBA. If you really want to be impressed, you should look up some some stuff about his toughness. Like he played with a broken cheek in a game where he literally had like a, a hole in his face and he just, he just went back out there and finished the game. Wow. I was going to ask what you meant by tough, but that, that, that summarizes it nicely, actually. Yeah. Yeah. He was something special to be, to be as good as he was and as tough as he was. And just as much of a killer as he was on the court. Yeah. Is there anybody that, that would stand up to him these days? I mean, as far as being that same caliber. No. I'll be honest with you. No, that's what I thought. Wow. I'm, I'm I mean, because players nowadays they, they you know they they take games off, they rest and stuff. They talk about load management. They don't. They want to be you know fresh for the playoffs, all that kind of stuff. And he played regardless of whatever you know. I mean, he he basically had to have like you know blood coming out of his pores for him to not play. One of my favorite lines that he ever said was there was a game where he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter and he had a chance to get a what's called a quadruple double you guys have heard of a triple double where you get double figures in three different categories he had a chance to get a quadruple double and didn't play at all in the fourth quarter and after the game they're like why didn't you go back in he's like don't you think i did enough damage to him (laughs) (laughs) i just i looked him up and one of the things on here is him playing against the uh the portland trailblazers and he scored 47 points in one game, and 20 of those points he scored with his left hand. Yep. Probably just because. No, no. Somebody, one of the guys on the team on the Portland was talking shit to him, and he told him he's like, "I'm gonna finish this game with just with my left hand." Just no. <laughs> and then, and then related, Larry Bird thinks the NBA should add a four point line. Yep. Yeah, he was he was something special. Yeah, he's one of, one of my favorite players of all time. I mean, he's one of him and Jordan, the first two uh, named people to have a basketball game after them. Yeah. Jordan versus Bird. I remember having that on uh, my Atari yep. <laughs> computer. <laughs> and moving on, because I could talk about Larry Bird all damn night. We'll move on. Tom Dollery was an English cricketer who played tests for England, but he was mostly known as the captain of the Warwickshire County Cricket Club. His forceful middle-order batting earned him more than 1,000 runs in 15 consecutive first-class seasons. A born leader of men, in 1951, he led the county to their second-ever county championship. In the field, he patrolled cover, later preferring slip, and he once spent half a season as a makeshift wicketkeeper. He wrote in detail about the complexities of first-class cricket in a book, Professional Captain. Following retirement from cricket, Tom and his wife, Jean, became the stewards at Egbeston Golf Club, and he passed away January 20th. Cricket facts that I do not know what these words mean. In the field he patrolled over, later preferring slip. No, right. He patrolled cover. He oh, patrolled cover, cover and then preferred slip. Later preferred slip. That's a new string mm-hmm. of words. Yep. God, I don't know. This game is confusing. I haven't felt like this <laughs> since we started talking about maidens. 
Moving on, on January 24th at the Australian Open Women's Tennis Finals, Hannah Mandikova of Czechoslovakia won her fourth and final Grand Slam singles crown, beating Martina Navratilova. The following day in the Men's Tennis Finals, Stefan Edberg of Sweden won his second career Grand Slam title and second Australian title, beating hometown favorite Pat Cash. That used to be your nickname. What a disappointing fourth name there with all those great names. Pat Cash. (laughs) And lastly, to take us out of this twee, finally, on January 25th at the 21st Super Bowl, the New York Giants beat the Denver Broncos 39-20 in Pasadena, California. Play us off, keyboard Joel. So 1987, there was a bunch of cold cases, and they decided that they were going to put them on TV, do a little reenactment on them, and basically tell these stories unsolved mysteries came out in 1987 initially began a series of specials like the hour and a half type special with uh they had raymond burr carl malden and then robert stack were the host for these specials and eventually stack became the standard de facto host for this beginning on 87 became a full-fledged series on october 5th 1988 Nine seasons later, NBC sold the series over to CBS. And uh, they added, strangely enough, Virginia Madsen because they were slipping in the ratings. That's a weird choice. Yeah. Yeah. CBS canceled the series after a two-season, 12-episode run, revived by Lifetime in 2000, with season 12 uh, in 2001. It aired on Lifetime and lasted in until 2002, which coincided with Robert Stack's eventual death. Uh, Six years went by, and then Spike TV said, hey, we'll take that. And they started it up on October 13th, 2008, with now Dennis Farina, who, unfortunately, they tied together repacked segments from the original episodes, but he still did 175 episodes before they ended it in 2010. Right now, Cosgrove Muir, Muir Productions, they still have a website up for it featuring popular accounts and ongoing cold cases, and you can still deliver hints or clues if you have any information on an unsolved crime or mystery. It has a storied multi-channel history to it. I think the reason they brought Dennis Farina was because Robert Stack was dead. Well, yeah. Makes it kind of hard to be a host. Yeah. Well. Robert Stack in this ashtray. (laughs) Also in 1992, uh, Unsolved Mysteries was filmed in Texas and cast a very young Matthew McConaughey to play a murder victim. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. One of his earliest on-screen roles. Also, uh, others such as Stephanie Weir... Bill Mosley, Holmes Osborne, Scott Wilkinson, Daniel Day Kim, and Taryn Killam also appeared on the program before eventually making their way into more notable things. Daniel Day Kim specifically moving on to Lost, where Ray began to know him from. Uh, Harper Hill also appeared on an episode about a woman looking for a childhood friend. And uh, Jennifer G. Roberts also showed up. But there's been a lot of other connections in there. We've had Blake Kark. Uh, James Elroy, the author, 
football player Reggie White appeared in an episode. Henry Rollins and Dennis Cole appeared in an episode together. Ron Bushy showed up in a story about the disappearance of fellow Iron Butterfly bandmate Philip Taylor Kramer. And then John Bon Jovi was also interviewed about the death of his personal manager's daughter. Any of the mysteries have been solved? There have been multiple moments where the mysteries have been solved, where things have come together and think things have been uh, sol- uh, just fell into place because people would call in and be like, hey, I know this person. The one that I picked out that I thought was really kind of weird and kind of cool was The Disappearance of Craig Williamson. Season 6, episode 23. Craig Williamson went out one night, disappeared. His wife never knew where he went to. He completely vanished off the map. How was this solved? Craig Williamson himself <laughs> saw him. <laughs> he was like watching Unsolved Mysteries, and he's like, oh shit, that's me. That's, that's me. <laughs> that's me. I, I think I've been missing. <laughs> As it turns out, the best they can piece together from it is that he went out, got mugged, punched in the head, and got amnesia. That's the one where he was the guy that was driving fish across country, right? Like they had a um, tilapia farm? Maybe? Because I remember something about that one, and I think that's the one that you're talking about. It's been a while, but I think so. Yeah, he was on a business trip, and Craig was really alive claimed to have lost his memory after being beaten and robbed by two men. They eventually, him and his wife eventually reunited, but he had no memory of Christine, which unfortunately led to divorce. Yep. That's the one. Yep. Mm -hmm. Weird story. And most interesting investigators are still like, all right, Craig, you got amnesia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he just had a wife. He didn't want anymore. Yeah. She seemed a little clingy. Well, I mean, you ditch your wife and you see yourself on TV and you're like, oh shit, I gotta do something now. But no, these are the themes of these episodes and that sort of thing. This is weird. And there were multiple, multiple times where the unsolved mysteries became solved because people would call in because they're like, I saw this dude. You know, he works at the flat top griddle place down the street. You know, I saw this person and they pieced it together because they had a call in line. And they would actually have, later on in the series, would have a updates on the show where uh, he would, Robert Stack would just tell you, hey, remember this episode? This person called in. We found this person. This person called in. We got this information. We discovered where the body was. So it did some good. As I was watching the episodes, they kept over and over going, update, update. I'm like, I'm like did those air like, like that the first time? Like, did they have something? Because... It just flowed so seamlessly in the episode. So I was like, I was very confused. Like, when did the updates all get in there? Like, I think they added some updates after the original run, because I noticed that on a few episodes, too. Yeah, I think that was like for the home video release, maybe. Or for re- reruns or whatever. Oh, yeah, maybe. Syndication. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, they had a lot of updates in those episodes. Well, yeah. and I'm I'm sure that, you know, initially they weren't expecting people to actually call in. And be like, this guy lives next door to me. (laughs) So eventually. Well, this was easy. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking like NBC at one point or another has been like, look, we are getting a lot of weird calls. Just give it to CBS. It's their (laughs) problem now. It's it's a really great idea, though, when you think about it, because 
I mean, especially back then, because the internet didn't exist, you've got this platform where you've got millions of people you could potentially reach if the show's popular, and you got that many eyes looking out for these missing people or whatever. It's actually proved to be a really good tool, and I'm kind of hoping that the same thing happens with the new show. I remember watching this, and I will I will confess, I know in the last show I made a comment about Pat doing his Robert Stack impersonation. I was totally thinking of Jack Palance from Ripley's Believe It or Not. (laughs) (laughs) You're my number one. With a believe it or not. not. And then he would do push-ups. One-arm push-ups. Yeah, which, show note, we need to do a Ripley's Believe It or Not because they now have it out on some channel with... um, Yeah, it's it's in the list. It's in the list. The new Bruce Campbell one? Bruce Campbell, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Nice. Hell yeah. Dean Kane did it for a while. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to ask, is this a first viewing for any of us? No. Yeah. What? What? Yeah, I'd never watched this before. Really? Huh. Yeah. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, this was like every week for me when it first came out. Yeah. We used to used to watch this and laugh whenever people that we saw in the when they were acting it out. Looked like people that we knew. I remember sitting on the couch with my family. And it looks like Aunt Crystal. I bet she's the murderer. And then I remember watching this all the time. I really enjoyed it. Watching the old ones. I don't know I why I never watched it. I just never did. It was just one huh. of those shows that never hit my radar. It has this blend of urban legend, weird, almost X-Files-ish stuff. And I think that's uh, that in the true crime is where it's strongest, where it's weakest is probably it's like, was this a miracle? Probably not. Or like, was it aliens? Did you watch the one with the, the raining boy that the, the one who supposedly could make it rain in every room he was in because he was possessed by a demon? I don't mind those so much as the like. Weird coincidence happened. Was it my dad talking to me who died 20 years ago? No, it was a weird coincidence. This does not belong on TV. Or the, the, the psychic who could draw dead people's faces without even knowing. I was like, yeah, if you draw enough faces, you're just going to match them up to some people. <laughs> yeah. I like the really weird ones. Like like in the, op- the premiere episode where they were talking about Area 51. Something about going back and re-watching them and the reenactments just tickled my fancy it, it kind of reminded me of the um that one scene from men in black where they're watching the old videotape please I, i'm trying to remember i've seen the movies all of them but I, I don't remember yeah where they go to the video store and they're like they maybe it was men in black too well, you they, could be right yeah where they have the, they have the, the cheesy reenactments and that's Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I thought, that's I was, that's what I, I liked, you. and the 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 cornier and the weirder that the story went, the reenactments were like when they saw the haunted ship. You know, when I walked down this corridor and I heard a noise and I heard like a whole chorus of men singing and thing, and they had the guy who's really poorly acting like he's hearing a a sailor chorus in the background. I enjoyed that. The murder ones a little bit less, but the the more supernatural that they got the more i enjoyed them and they did some weird shit on there well they had a lot of a lot of episode man Uh, yeah i was shocked at how many episodes there were when i went back 
And then when you think about it, each episode contained like what four or five different stories. It wasn't just like it is on the new series where it's just one story. It's multiple stories per episode. You know, I found that when I had a week in between each episode, that really worked for me. But binging them, it kind of felt like some of them were super fillerish and almost formulaic. This was, uh, don't get me wrong, I had a huge hit of nostalgia every time I heard the theme song. Yeah. And I was totally into it watching the first two. Once I got to about the third one in a row, I was starting to get a little antsy and I was actually kind of bored by certain segments by the about the fifth one in a row no you're right because they did have filler it's like each show had one big meaty mystery to it and then they had the bookend ones that were kind of cotton candy-ish this little girl lost her notebook on the bus if you've seen it please call blah blah blah, blah whatever yeah I, I when i ever was... got that bad <laughs> When I was watching them, that's exactly what I did, Josh. I Because I'd watch them when I was working. I'd watch two episodes, and that's it. I'd stop watching for the day, and then I'd move on to something else, and then watch two more the next day. Because I tried working onto a third one, and I was just like, eh, okay. Yeah, this is not a bingy, bingy show. No. And and there's not always a lot of feel-good. Well, I mean, that's why it's a mystery. You know, yeah. they're still looking to find out who killed the kid. You know, it's... But, I mean, I, one of the things that really kind of makes me feel good about it is that how many episodes actually resulted in the mystery getting solved. You know, even if it was something sad where they finally found where the body was buried, or they finally found out who killed the person. The closure, I think, was really good about it. And I think that's another thing that people came back, why it stuck around for so long, is because people wanted to find out if anything anything was solved. And there's also the part of the crowd that wanted to be like, Ooh, I know that guy I can call in now. Yep. That that definitely was part of the appeal. Everybody's sure. always hoping, hoping that their next door neighbor was going to actually be some wanted fugitive that they could turn in. Oh yeah. Yeah. The fantasy, you could be responsible for solving one of these things that no one else could. Right. Maybe it's you. And some of them were, were kind of interesting. Like, I don't know if you guys watched the one about, there was a, a, a couple, an old couple who were being terrorized. Like people were leaving weird notes and ringing their doorbell and turning on, uh, setting off their motion detector and shit, like just harassing these people or the one where this woman kept getting these weird notes and she went to, she was a school bus driver and she saw a sign written in the handwriting that was for her. She got out, went up to the thing to, and there was like a little box behind it and she tried to open it. And after she opened it, she realized it was a booby trapped. There was a gun in there that was supposed to go off when she opened the box. And when Unsolved Mysteries got involved, they got a letter from the people that were harassing this person. What? And they never solved it. They never solved either one of them. And I was just like, what the fuck? You were crazy. I don't know. How could you hate a bus driver that much? Yeah, it's confusing. That's not the part I was, I was confused by. That part I understood. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, some bus drivers are they're dicks. It's just math. They've got to be. Yeah. Like any profession. I mean, look at us. There's only four of us, and all of us are dicks. I was going to say, one out of four podcast hosts are dicks. <laughs> hey. There must, there must be a podcast out there where all the guys are complete sweethearts. <laughs> None of them have goatees. We're actually the evil twins. Huh. <laughs> There's an unsolved mystery for I you. I mean, that tracks. 
but yeah <laughs> yeah there there were some interesting ones that were that were crazy the alien abduction ones were kind of interesting but when it got to the like you were talking about with the reenactment i was like uh some of the reenactments were a little cringy some of as much as i love robert stack some of his narration was a little cringy yeah now i think the amount of cringe actually just like i said tickled my fancy i really enjoyed it i think the ones that were hardest for me to watch were the uh ones that had a huge religious overtone because they reminded me of something like your out of touch aunt would put on facebook (laughs) did you know that they sold soundtracks to what (laughs) to this what yeah so was it just a theme song over and over it's 20 in 2018 Terror Vision Records made a deal with the uh, creator of the show, John Crosgrove, to release the show's official score on vinyl called Unsolved Mysteries, Ghost Hauntings, The Unexplained. Two sets on color vinyl were released. The first of three vinyl sets scoring, collecting the scores written for each of the show's ghosts and missing wanted segments. What? And then the second one is entitled Unsolved Mysteries, Volume 2, Bizarre Murders, UFO, The Unknown. I'm looking this up. Do you, would I lie to you? No, I, I, I mean, yeah, I totally would, but yeah, I I was going to say, what kind (laughs) of question is that? Yeah. Not about this, but I would definitely lie to you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Here it is. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, they're, they're pulled from the original dat tapes and everything. So, I mean, hey. It's like something you want to put on, like, in the back of your Cthulhu campaign? I don't know. I'll play a record for uh, for Halloween, you know? Something to put on while you're watching Sharknado. <laughs> so that's got its own soundtrack, damn it. Shark's got a shark. That really should have been the title of one of them before they stopped making them. Did uh, anyone have a favorite case or segment from what they watched? Uh, well, the, the Area 51 from the pilot was really fascinating there was i mean as much as i love reading about ufos there were a couple things in that episode i didn't even know yeah for me there was one about a cursed chair they called the death chair oh Oh. yeah i saw that one (laughs) oh it was crazy because it was like the last chair a guy sat in before he was going to be executed it was like his chair at the pub and for like hundreds of years until they put it in a museum and took it and hung it up on a wall where no one could sit on it. Anyone who sat in it died within like a week. Yeah. Where is this? Uh, England? Chair of uh, death. I can't yeah. afford to go to England. Yeah, well, they, they've got it up there so no one can sit in it because, yeah, they, they put it in a basement and then like a dude delivering beer sat on it and then he died. <laughs> It's, he's not joking. It's I I saw that. I want to I want to sit in this chair because I don't believe it. Oh, wait, on his way to the gallows, he sto- asked to stop by the pub and put a curse on the chair, claiming that anyone who sat in it would be haunted and die. And people were then dared to sit in it. During World War II, airmen from a nearby base made the pub a hot spot, and the chair became a hot seat. And people noticed that the ones who sat in it would never come back from the war. Two pilots sat in it. And while driving, well, it just means they didn't go back to that bar. It doesn't mean they didn't come back from the war. Well, okay, sixty-seven. Two Royal Air Force pilots sat in it and then crashed their their car into a tree and died. Well, I mean, you're probably drunk enough to sit in the death chair. 
People die all the time, and like it, it doesn't mean it was because of the last chair they sat in. That's ridiculous. I would sit in that chair in a heartbeat. Because that's bullshit. People can't curse things. Like that's just not a thing. I'm starting a Kickstarter, man. Send Pat to England to go sit in the death chair. <laughs> in the chair. I 100% would sit in that chair. I don't buy any of that shit. There's a whole bunch of people who took that exact bet, and uh, Sarah and I were looking at each other. Would you sit in? Fuck no. I wouldn't get anywhere near. Patrick, considering your life, I'm surprised you don't believe in curses. Right? If I did, I would, I would. Yeah. I mean, if if I did believe in curses, I'd have been to a witch doctor years ago. Of course, he can't believe in curses. He's got all of them. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ching, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ching, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. Uh, right, I don't know where to. Fuck you guys. No. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take none. that back. Three out of four podcast hosts. Well, two out of five. <laughs> two out of four. I th- I think the one I was mentioning earlier, the, the, I just looked it up here, the name of it, The Psychological Abuse of Dorothy and Bill Wacker. That's the one about the, the couple that were just getting these crazy letters and people messing with them all the time. That one was that one was it was pretty crazy. And the fact that it's still at least as of then was never solved. There's never been an update on it. Hmm. So is that one your favorite, Joel? Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. For, if we're throwing one out there, that was my that was my choice. How about you, Mike? And, you know, I like the alien thing, and I think I'm following with Pat on the Area 51 because they really dug into this. It wasn't just like, ooh, in Area 51, aliens came down from the sky and they landed here. No, they got a dude. Halfway through it, I, I was sitting there watching it, and I'm like, huh. Right? Yeah, I mean, especially when they talked about, like, the uh, military walking that guy through town, putting him in a car and driving him off, and the whole time he's looking at his buddies and just like, Kind of had that, you may never see me again look on his face. And I mean, my my whole philosophy on it was never like, I never thought it was a weather balloon, but I honestly thought it was probably just like some kind of, you know, experimental flight thing that they had been trying to do from the Air Force Base. But like after watching that one, I was like, okay, maybe it really was something. Yeah. When they were talking about like the, the engravings on the metal rods and all that, and this is a language that I don't understand. You know, I I mean, I love the idea of men in black and that sort of thing, but I never. But but now, but the thing is, like so many of them, after I finished watching them, like again, the haunted, the Queen Mary haunting one, in the, in the first episode. And by the end of it, I'm like, starting, I'm like, huh. And by the end of it, I'm like, huh. Well, and I believe in aliens, but the fact that there's a giant conspiracy, blah blah, whatever. Eh. But yeah, there's always a conspiracy. It was still interesting though that that I I remember both of those that you're talking about. Death chair. <laughs> I wouldn't sit in it. Fuck that. We have a hard yeah. enough time getting you to cross the street against the light, dude. <laughs> yeah, that was a great segment. Just because the whole concept is ridiculous, but you've got all these various serious British gentlemen. Just like, no, really, don't sit in the fucking chair. And then they're playing like an Irish jig behind it the whole time. There, there was probably hundreds of people who sat in it who didn't die. They only want to focus on the ones who did. And, like, I got news for you. If you go off to war, there's a better than average chance you're going to die. So that's, you know, the correlation is not causation. I mean, they weren't all from the war. Or you may still think it's bull, but at least, like, don't judge it off of a 14-second summary of the, of the <laughs> segment. And the other thing is, why would they call it a death chair? 
if people didn't die. Seriously, it's the answer's in the name, dude. Death Chair. Band name called it. But you don't think the guys like in Iron Maiden are all right, or or are maidens? Like, I mean, you know, names don't convey like actual meaning. It's I mean, that name. dude, Pink Floyd. <laughs> it's not like it's an uncomfortable recliner. It's a death chair. See, Josh knows what I'm talking about. I wouldn't. Like I said, I wouldn't sit in it either. Fuck that. Hey, either I'm right or I get to die. I'm fine with either. Win-win. Right? On that note... (laughs) (laughs) Leave the death chair alone, Patrick. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break. Please. I am going to have to look that up. I'm going to come back and we are going to talk about Unsolved Mysteries 2020, the Netflix thing. (laughs) Reboot? Reboot. Reboot. Original series? Duo? Must be stoop chair? Continuation? You're a stoop chair. Or chair of of death, Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. There it is. There you go. (laughs) This chair of... Everybody who sits in this chair dies. Because Frank punches him in the head, but, you know, it's... (laughs) You mean immediately? No, I mean eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Soon. I have a feeling if Pat sat down in it, the ghost would be like, dude, let me get you a beer or something. Right. He's had enough. Pat actually becomes more alive. All right. I'm calling it. it. We're it taking turns it. Out it turns out it cures my cancer or something. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Patrick. You're making Joel sad. This is how you tell us you have cancer? <laughs> Fuck, take a break before something else happens. I've said that already. We'll be back. Or will we? So in 2019, people decided there wasn't enough unsolved things in the world. And they announced on Deadline Hollywood that it was being refreshed by Sean Levy and his company 21 Laps Entertainment. You may know that name because they were the ones who produced Stranger Things, which is kind of cool and makes sense. Netflix took up the show and they created, what is it, six six episodes? Six, six yep, so Yeah, far. six episodes of the new Unsolved Mysteries, ranging from things such as Mystery on the Rooftop to House of Terror. Berkshire's UFO and Missing Witness. A little bit different change on how they do things. There is no host for this show. Nope. There's just people talking, which kind of kind of threw me because I was expecting somebody in a trench coat to show up in the very beginning. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's like when the when the when the when the uh, the music finished, I was expecting somebody to like step out from like an airplane hangar or something like that and step out of it like old wooden out you want i can i can send you some pictures of me in a trench coat if you'd like i i have those pictures of you in a trench coat and i wish i didn't <laughs> just go look at those i was gonna say he's only in the trench coat and it's yeah. not closed yeah <laughs> i'd fuck me <laughs> Jesus. i'd fuck me so hard 
Robert Wise, co-executive producer, along with the showrunner Dunn Muir. Each episode focuses on a single mystery. Cosgrove stated that the reboot would be pure documentary style and would have no host or narrator. However, in the opening credits, you can see a image of longtime host Robert Stack. So that's kind of cool. They gave a nod to him. That's nice. Yeah, they dissed Dennis Farina and who was the other one that was a weird sidekick? Virginia Madsen. <laughs> yeah, and Virginia yeah. Madsen got the shaft. And Carl Malden. Yeah, but it was just a concept when Carl Malden was involved. Yeah. They didn't know it was going to be a regular thing. Plus, they couldn't afford his nose. I mean, come on, they can get uh, Raymond Burr. Not anymore, they can't. That's a mystery that's been solved. Taking this on a completely outside-the-box conversation, if any of you want to see something hilarious, look up Raymond outtakes of him doing the, um, what is it, Ernest Gallo wines? No, that was Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Well, that's funny, too. Either way, look that up. (laughs) Still holds true. Yeah. So, yeah, six episodes. Unsolved mysteries, like... Just what I said. There, I think they even have a second season. I would think so. I think they would because, in the same vein of what we were talking about in the last episode, is how people want to help in this sort of thing. They have gotten, as of when was this posted? Looking at a TMZ article, uh, seven eight twenty twenty. So not too long ago, they've had over fifteen hundred tips show up for just the first six episodes. Well, yeah, I don't think this is just nostalgia. Like this went a really quickly up into the top 10 overall for Netflix. Oh yeah. It hit, it hit number one on the top 10 almost immediately after coming out, but they have taken those tips and put them through the processes of investigators. And out of the 1500, they have 50, which are possibly legit. And one of them, the murder house one, where the guy killed his whole family, they said that they, he'd been spotted in Chicago. And there was one of them that just came out like a day or two ago. Like, uh, shoot, I was just reading this. Like, there was a big update, like, within the last two days. Uh, I should have written it down as a note. The Idaho case? But the guy uh, that went missing at the party? Yes, that one. Yes. Alonzo. Yeah, Zo. That is the one. I mean, it's just like it, like Pat was saying before, you know, when you have this audience that you throw out there and be like, hey, this is a crazy story. Drop me a line. And now, like Joel was saying, it's gone beyond just TV networks to the Internet and that sort of thing. So now people are, hey take a look at this person wasn't this this dude who was at that party we were a couple you know last year or whatever and since you know people can watch this stuff worldwide uh, there's no place for somebody to hide if they're trying to you know disappear anymore unless they're on a uh, an island in the middle of nowhere or the international space station yeah, good point that's fair i i would think <laughs> they would pretty they'd find them pretty quick if they were on the ISS. Submit tips, unsolved.com. You can you can leave a tip. Now, we briefly gimmed this at the beginning of the show, but we were waiting till now to talk about it. I personally like that there's not a host. I'm with you. 
I think you are a freak. <laughs> I honestly, I aside from at the very beginning where no one introduced it, I didn't notice that there wasn't a host. I thought it was so well put together. While I'm not saying it's not well put together, the lack of a host was almost kind of jarring to me. Hmm. There needs a, there needs to be a captain on this cruise. I wouldn't go as far as to say it was jarring to me, but I definitely felt like it could have used a host. It felt like there was a lot of meandering. I didn't care for the, the hour-long episodes focusing on one thing because I felt like the majority of the shows, probably four out of the six, didn't need to be an hour long. There was a lot of repetitive stuff, a lot of stuff that didn't even need to be aired or said or whatever. And there was just a lot of filler stuff in, in the Like the, the Alonzo episode easily, easily could have been done in half an hour because they were saying things over and over again. And there was a lot of exposition about who he was as a person and everything that just wasn't, it, it wasn't necessary. It just wasn't part of the mystery. It's like, we didn't need to know that he had two pairs of socks on and, you know, you know, stuff like that. Like it's just, it's kind of funny because like on the on some of the reviews that I'm seeing on IMDb, one of them is titled 10 minutes of material stretched out to 52 minutes. I wouldn't go so far as say 10 minutes, but I mean, I definitely a couple of them could have could have definitely done without an hour's worth of treatment. Yeah, I, I agree with you that there was a lot of rehashing of the con- of the conversation. I mean, that's true even in the original and they had much shorter segments to work with. Yeah, but they had reenactments, man. That's what I'm. But this one has some reenactments too. Yeah. Had some, but they weren't, I don't know, they weren't as fun. They weren't corny. Yeah, Yeah. they were cheesy. Yeah. That's this, this is also taking a, they want want to build on the success of making a murderer and some of the other true crime shows they've had and say, hey, we've got this property that everyone knows and this thing that we already know works. Let's meld the two and meet in the middle. And I think they were successful. Yeah. Netflix has done a really good job of, taking the ball and running with it once they realized that they were had this ability to make these true crime shows and make them interesting but turn them into docu series where they last 10 episodes every one of them that I've seen so far has held my attention and I found pretty fascinating this did the same thing although there were a couple where it felt like it maybe got a little too long in the tooth I still I still enjoyed them yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they weren't well done and I didn't enjoy them. I'm just saying there was a lot of fluff in, in most of them. And I wanted to have a host. I think Tom Selleck would have been a great host. Tom Selleck would have been an amazing host. And I'm not just saying that because I love Tom Selleck. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub or someone, you know, someone that played, you know, played a, a detective back in the day. Man, who would be? Tony Shalhoub is a good choice. Dennis Franz. <laughs> I actually did think about him at one point. They probably would have gotten David Caruso if this was on like the CW or something. <laughs> and that would be a bad choice. Is he even still working? Is he even still alive? I think he faded into the ether. But let's not go down that rabbit hole. Caruso or Franz? Caruso. Well, I- I'm kind of curious to see how this plays out because with the internet with this being a much larger audience potentially than the original and with technology these days, I I would be surprised if they weren't able to take those 50 credible leads and solve 50% of these, maybe half. I mean, the first one was just bananas. That one was nuts with the hotel and the hole in the seat. Yeah. I have a, my theory on that one is that, he was trying to join the Masons and they were putting him through some kind of 
BS hazing type thing and it went wrong and they just said, okay, well, let's just put all his stuff down here around this hole that he fell through and walk away and nobody say shit. I I mean, I don't know. I've known enough Masons that I, they get way more credit for crazy, creepy, murdery stuff in fiction than... Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like it, it was like a stupid little initiation, like, oh, walk this ledge or whatever, and it backfired, and they're all like, they all panicked and like, oh, oops. Because hmm. I'm not saying I'm not saying it was like some kind of shadow conspiracy. It's just a, guys that were you know trying to play Freemasons or whatever, trying to and they <laughs> fucked up and killed somebody. And that's what I used to do when I was 12 years old. Let's play Freemasons. All sign a you know non disclosure agreement, and if there are any Freemasons listening, I think that patrick is wrong <laughs> freemasons rule the country i don't know there was there was one uh theory i saw on reddit about that one where you know this guy was a big film buff as to whether maybe his friends specifically the one that the reed peyton reed walter i don't remember his name was the guy who wouldn't uh comment like, yeah lawyered up and that they had created some sort of a game like scenario, like the, the David Fincher film and it went too far. And rather and than specifically address that theory though. Yeah. Who did? Oh, the widow. widow. Yeah. And she, she ruled it out. It was just one movie of many. He was a film buff and it wasn't anything like he was particularly invested in. Yeah. And it was even in his little note, it was just one movie listed out of about what three dozen or so. But if it wasn't even in a header, it was just like in the list. Maybe he didn't let her in on it. A freaking note taped to the back of the computer. Have you read the thing? They, they again, read it, pieced together the whole note. It's I just have. fucking weird. It is weird. Yeah, it's very weird. And it's very weird that he taped it behind his computer. So it obviously to him was not just a natural note of, you know, whatever that he would save on his computer. It obviously meant something to him. I have what I've gotten from this is that I'm going to do so much shit. And when I die, if, I, if I'm if i the first out of the four to die, you guys are fucked. <laughs> I better get started. Damn it, I'm behind. This is going to be a choose-your-own-adventure novel for the crap I'm going to write. I'm just going to tape shit everywhere in the house. Well, now that you've told us, we're just going to ignore it. Uh, <laughs> remember that episode? Curse my plans. I don't know. The, the, I mean, it, it definitely was... I think I'd said it earlier on, or maybe in the pre-show, that they chose the right one to get the show started because that one was definitely the strangest out of them. And if, if you saw it and you liked it and you were like, this is fucking crazy, where are they going to go now? Then you're going to watch the rest of the series. And the rest of them were interesting, but none of them quite were as insane as this one, the first one. Yeah, I mean, the Alonzo one, it basically, the, the kid had a lot of bad luck and ended up getting abandoned at a party full of rednecks, and rednecks are going to redneck, and there was probably some kind of fight, and he ended up accidentally getting killed, and they panicked and hid the body, and then eventually dropped the body out. It's not a mystery, it's just, the mystery is, who did it? Right. You know, I mean, it, it's not it's not necessarily, like, what happened here? Well, we don't know. You know, it's like, no, he obviously got into a fight with somebody at a, par- at a redneck party, got his ass beat so bad he died, and... They, they panicked. I think the mystery part of that one, though, is that, the, that it's a party. Even at the end of a party, you've got five, six stragglers that are still wandering around that nobody came forward. I mean, especially if it happened earlier on. 
if he didn't have a ride and he was abandoned there when the party broke up, it might have just been him and the guys that beat his ass. Possibly. And they were kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I felt bad for his friend, though, that, that left and was a half an hour out and chose not to come back. I, you could tell that he felt responsible. But, I mean, if you're in that situation and you've got a confirmed ride and the guy that and uh, you hear the other guy in the background go, yeah, that's cool. I mean, there's no reason to come back. So I felt kind of bad for him for beating himself up. But that's one that's got some of those credible leads. That's one of them. Yeah, that, that's probably going to be the easiest one to solve out of it. All they need is just one person to crack out of, you know, all the people that, that beat him up and killed him. Because, I mean, I just, it's, it's, I, having having been around plenty of rednecks, they're, most of them are, are not the brightest. And it's not going to take long for one of them to crack. Yeah, they're kicking the door somewhere. It was Cletus! They're not, like, known for their, you know, strategic planning. And honestly, probably one of the deputies or sheriffs was somewhat in on it as far as, like, helping them hide the body and, and helping all that, you know. So as soon as that dude dies, the truth is probably going to come out. So right now, Patrick is on the Freemasons shit list and on the Redneck shit list. I'm on a ton of shit lists. I don't care. <laughs> my shit list for years exactly i don't give a shit put me on every shit list fuck all you people next week on unsolved mysteries <laughs> the disappearance of patrick whaley and he's the friendly one uh, and i don't even remember there was the there was an alien one that one was a pretty good one because that you talk about like the the roswell one that had all the, the different witnesses and different everything that one had a shit ton of witnesses a shit ton of stories a lot of corroboration and it's like, holy crap, what the hell happened? That's yeah. a real unsolved mystery. That's the one that gets me is when, when everybody's saying the same thing. Because I'm like, we can barely get the four of us to do the same thing at the same time. If right. they got like a whole half a fucking town doing shit, you know, being saying the same thing. For 50 like, years, they've been saying all right. the same thing. And like I said before, it's I, I know it's a good episode when I, when I walk into the episode and go, huh. And then I leave the episode going, hmm. I enjoyed these. I thought it was a lot of fun. I made some noises when the dude talked about how he cuddled with his wife's ashes like a teddy bear. Oh, what yeah. What that was, oh. yeah. yeah. I walked around with her skull in my hands. I'm like, okay, creepy. Yeah, that, that guy that, that guy killed his wife. That that yeah. dude that dude yeah. killed her. <laughs> that one doesn't seem like much of a mystery, uh, in all honesty. The one with uh, the missing witness. Is that the one? Yeah, with the stepfather. That one was. That whole family was fucked up. The last one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, with the the woman with the six girls, and she took yeah killed her daughter and take over her son. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't get that far. That one. That one was was definitely strange. And I, I mean, I'm 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 not trying to just. Yeah, but uh, well, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> I thought you didn't care about being on a shit list. <laughs> well, yeah, never mind. Uh oh. What do you know, Patrick? Nothing, nothing. I just, I was going to say something I, I shouldn't have. <laughs> wow. Holy cow. Listeners, I don't know if you understand the significance of this. <laughs> Patrick just self censored. Doesn't happen very often. No. But I would agree that the uh, the 13 minutes episode about the woman who went missing with the or the the hair salon thing that one could have been a half an hour or less. That one I had a know. lot of padding. 
I was interested in all the family dynamics and uh, who might have had something to do with it and what happened after her death. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. Oh, I did too. I enjoyed all of them. I'm not. I, I'm not yeah. at all saying I didn't enjoy it. I just thought there was a lot of fluff in some of them. Like, I think that the Patrice one, the Bart, you know, the the hairstylist and the Alonzo one could have been two half hour episodes in the same show, and I think it would have been better for them. Hmm. Well, and I'm curious if if they only did the the six episodes because they plan on releasing a second half, or whether because of you know the pandemic that they just weren't able to do anymore, but. I do hope it continues because it was it was an interesting show to watch for sure. I wouldn't be surprised to learn that uh, shorter but punchier seasons it had nothing to do with the pandemic. It was just that's was the plan from the beginning. I hope so because I, I I would like to see more and and as much fun as it was kind of taking that nostalgia boat ride with the original. I like we said earlier, could only do a couple episodes at a time. This, I probably could have sat and watched the entire series in in a day and been okay with it. Well, all right. Does, is that a transition to thumbs up, thumbs down, or does anyone have anything else to say? I think it is. I I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I don't have much more to say on it. Six episodes versus, what, 300 on the other one? Sounds about right. Yeah. I'm looking to see... Uh, top mysteries. If there's a season two, it says another batch of six episodes is headed to Netflix later in 2020, according to co-creator Terry Dunn in his interview with the New York Post. So, yeah, they're already planning on releasing more this year. And I'll watch them. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll be at a, it'll be something that when it hits, I'll I'll be on it. I mean, it's a it's a little less campy than the original. But I again, like I said, I think I feel like it's a little more fluffed up and stretched out. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, Joel. You know, despite what we've said about the original series, I'm I'm still going to go thumbs up on on both. I'm I'm going to go thumbs up on both of them as well. I mean, it's it's pretty hard to give a thumbs down to something that like kind of almost revolutionized crime drama on television and helped so many people and solved. I mean, it really did just solve a lot of mysteries. It's hard to say that that's should that deserves a thumbs down. Yeah, how many people got closure because of that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, even though some of the stuff was kind of campy and like what Josh was saying, a lot of the you know religious stuff was a little bit over the top. And as much as I had some complaints about the reboot, I think they were both important enough and well done enough that, yeah, thumbs up for both. It's a show that does something. It's not just entertaining. Yeah. I agree with everything both of them said. Like, I am all in for both of these. Yeah, the not everything has aged perfectly about the original, but I am looking forward to much more of the of the remake. I probably will go back and watch some of the old episodes, too, even, even after this. I'm definitely going to watch the one about the death chair. And Mike? Uh, thumbs up, thumbs up, man. I love the weirdness on these. I love the campiness of the reenactments of the old one. And while I wish we had a host for this, because I I almost kind of feel that the new ones need an anchor. You know, like someone who can transition the conversation from one segment to the to the other. But it's it's cool. I mean, like the, the whole hole in the ceiling of the hotel thing. I got into that. I enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to second season. All right, so if uh, you have any of your own thoughts about uh, Unsolved Mysteries or 
about uh, why motherfuckers should be calling us. Anything <laughs> like that. We love you, Daniel. Uh, let us know. Give, give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And again, if you're looking for our older stuff, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are all over the podcasting pod sphere. Podverse. Podverse. We are in your podverse. We are all mm. over the place. And uh, listen to us. Like Josh said, give us a call. Let us know what you want to hear. And uh, Joel, what do we got next week? Next week, we are taking a deep dive into the writer, director, actor, producer, bug-eyed man of legend. Fireman. And fireman, yeah. Yeah. Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. I'm excited. I'm too. too. Yeah. Yeah. Long time coming on this one. Yeah. Literally. How long ago did you say you, re- you suggested this show? This was like in year one. <laughs> <laughs> He was my first suggestion for a second person show after we did the very first one. Wow. We got a lot of shows that have been sitting in the hopper for a while, so. <laughs> I mean, Cameron Diaz 2 is still coming, kids, so. Ah, even cameron <laughs> the, the Cameroning. Diaz harder. Yeah, on that one, I'm calling it. Uno, uno dos Diaz. <laughs> Why? Uh, that's an unsolved mystery but it's fine yeah. of course if unsolved mystery taught me anything it's like it's pretty easy to get away with murder <laughs> just make sure everyone around you is fucking stupid you <laughs> there yeah. done you, you beat me to it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we'll be back next week and uh, thanks for listening All right, so finally, jazz singer Dolores Hawkins is a remembered. Is re, oh, all right. God. Start start that over. We'll, <laughs> I'm starting I'm, over. Not I'll, finally. I'll, there's two more bullet points. <laughs> I I was trying yeah. to. I keep trying to tell him it's not finally, but he won't listen. Just start that bullet <laughs> point over. Just, oh. I'll fix all this in post. Just fucking start that bullet point over. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nope, it's funnier if you don't. All right.